You are listening to the weekly podcast of Greater Christ Temple in Lima, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. He's worthy. How many know he's worthy? Even if I don't feel good, he's worthy. Even if it's cold outside, he's worthy. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, my God is worthy. <laughs> He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy. He's worthy. Somebody shout, He's worthy. You see, sometimes you just got to make the atmosphere, the atmosphere shift a little bit just by saying, He's worthy. I don't feel good, but He's worthy. It don't make sense all the time, but He's worthy to be praised. He's a worthy God. He's a worthy God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We honor the spirit of the Lord we feel in this place. We certainly thank the Lord for each and every one of you that are here this morning. How many is excited just to be here? Come on, if you're really excited, put your hands together. I know it's cold outside. I stepped outside and the enemy was like, you might as well go right back on inside. Because <laughs> it's cold. Ain't nobody going to be at church because it's cold. But I'm happy to see each and every person that's here. Can we give God a praise just for the fact that we're here in the house of the Lord? And I believe that there is a word from the Lord. How many of you need a word this morning? Amen. Amen. And I believe you are in the right place. While you're standing, John chapter 8, John chapter 8, while you're standing, there are several people who are out for various reasons. Seem like I got so many text messages this morning. So we have a lot to pray for. There are people who got called into work. Elder White is working. Um, there are a few sick. Minister Rashonda is sick and Evangelist Chambers is not feeling well. But how many know we serve a God that is a healer? He's a healer. There's nothing that's too hard for him, and there's nothing that's too small for him. That little headache matters just as much as the person who's got cancer. God cares about his people, and I'm grateful for the fact that I serve a God that there's nothing too big for, and I serve a God that there's nothing too small for. We thank God for everybody. Thank God to see Sister March this morning. It's good to see you. I know you got your Bibles in your hands, but if you could just say amen. Amen. And I thank God for seeing my brother, my son, my nephew, whatever category he falls in, Junior Deacon Samuel White. I was about to call you. I told myself yesterday, I said, if I don't see little Sam Sunday, I'm calling him. God is my witness. I said that last night, and he walked in. So it's good to see you today. I know he's very busy with everything going on. And just to everybody, 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 it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Give honor to all of our elders, evangelists, ministers, deacons, sound techs, everybody, everybody, everybody. To everybody, we just say praise the Lord. John chapter 8, verse 12. If you have it, please say amen. And it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of of the world. I am the light. Somebody say light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Hmm. It's the first part of this passage that I want to focus on. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Just for a few moments, if you allow me to speak to your spirits on the subject, the darkness of night. The darkness of night. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you 
just for an opportunity to hear your word, God, to be in your presence, in your house, God, a, a building, a place set aside, Lord, for your work of your kingdom. We thank you for bringing us here. Despite the weather, despite what we may have gone through this week, God, you saw it. You were faithful, Lord, to see us through another week, God, to bring us into your house one more time. Now, God, I ask that you will move in this place as you've already begun. Strengthen our hearts, God. Speak to our spirits, Lord, and let your word fall on good ground. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated the presence of the Lord. We certainly give honor to my wife, First Lady Kalia Cooper. Let's give God a praise for her. For my mother, Elect Lady Toby Cooper. Let's give God a praise for her as well. Thank God for them both. The darkness of night. Have you ever thought about why for a young child, it's sometimes so scary and, and so uh, uh, traumatizing almost for them to go to bed at night. Has anybody here ever put a child to bed? Anybody ever put a baby to bed at nighttime? Just about everybody in here has an experience, whether it was your children or your grandchildren or nieces, nephews, whoever you were caring for, godchildren. But we've experienced trying to put a child to bed at night. And if you were to do that, you would notice that it is not a very fun time. <laughs> for anybody, it's not fun for the child typically, and it's certainly not fun for the adult who's trying to get that child to go to sleep. But it's always a fight, and some would say that it's due to the child feeling afraid of being left by themselves. And I believe that is the case sometimes. That child does not want to be left alone. Um, just the sight of mommy or daddy walking out of the room, closing the door, is enough to cause them to go into a panic. Just seeing their mother or father leaving. Sometimes I put Miles into his crib at nighttime and he's fine. I can walk to the door. And sometimes I start to walk away from his crib and I'm like, okay, when's the crying going to start? And then I get a few steps and he, no crying, nothing. And then I get to the door, no crying. And I open the door, no crying. And then I step outside, no crying. And then as soon as I shut the door, that's when the crying starts because now he's realized that daddy is leaving. And understand, even at his young age, he's not quite two yet, uh, but at his young age, he doesn't understand the concept that, yeah, daddy's leaving right now, but daddy will be back. I'm not going to be here forever, but a young child sometimes feels like they are being abandoned. For some children, uh, when you lay them down in their crib, they understand that this means I'm not going to see anybody for the next few hours. And, and so they begin to get sad and they begin to cry. And, and some would argue that even these crying fits sometimes are simply because the child truly is sleepy. They truly are tired. And what do we call it? We say they're fighting their sleep. They're fighting their sleep. And so they're, they're acting out because they truly are sleepy. But I believe that one of the biggest reasons that children go into this fit when you put them to sleep isn't necessarily because of the anxiety of mommy or daddy leaving, isn't necessarily all the time because they truly are sleepy, sleepy but it's simply because they're in darkness. They begin to go on a crying spree because they know I'm disconnected from the outside world, and this is a dark place. And as I said, that child does not know necessarily that that darkness is ever going to end. You see, we don't think it's a big deal because we know that the darkness is just temporary. But that young child does not have that knowledge. And so uh, they, will, they will be in a panic because of this. Darkness is something that nobody willingly wants to experience, especially if you don't know for sure that the darkness is ever going to end. Sometimes people, uh, I'm reminded Bishop Hamilton shared with me, and I can't remember where he was, but somewhere he went on vacation and his friends took him to a restaurant. And that restaurant, the whole theme of the restaurant was darkness. And he said they experienced that it wasn't anything spooky or creepy, but it was, it was trying a new concept of having people eat in total darkness. What, imagine how your experience would change if you're at a restaurant and you walk in and it's pitch black. 
The only way you can get to your table is by holding a hand of the person with you and they're holding the hand of the guide and you completely have to trust the person in front of you on where you're going. Anybody want to go there? Uh, it sounds a little exciting. I might want to try it one day. But uh, they, he said it was an amazing experience because it teaches you how much we rely truly on our eyesight. And he said you have to learn how to use your other senses when you're in that place because even just getting to the table, you've got to use feel, right? You've got to feel around to know where to sit. You've got to rely on knowing what you're eating based on your sense of smell, and so he said this experience was pretty cool. He said, I don't know if I'd ever do it again, but it was an interesting experience. You see, people go sometimes into places of darkness for a thrill. Uh, do you know anyone? Maybe, hopefully it's not you anymore, but have you ever been a person who liked to go to a haunted house? Uh, I heard some nopes. Uh, some of the young folk maybe did at one point or maybe enjoy it. You see, there are times where we will voluntarily go into places of darkness, but here's the thing. We only go there because we know it's just temporary. I, I believe the calculation would change if you went into a restaurant like that or went into a haunted house and did not have the assurance that you'd ever come out. I don't know if you would still be so eager to go inside because we are not meant to reside in darkness. I promise I'm gonna take this somewhere if you just stay with me. But darkness is not something that we willingly want to be a part of. Yes, there may be times where people voluntarily enter into a place of darkness like the restaurant or, or like a haunted house or has anyone ever had a headache and you just want to get away from any light source and just sit in darkness. I know I've experienced that I, 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 when I have a headache, I just, I want all the lights off. I just close my eyes and I want to be in a place of darkness. And so we will sometimes voluntarily put us in the place of darkness, but it's because we only, we know that it's only temporary. Darkness is not something, ladies and gentlemen, that we are supposed to reside in. We're not, uh, God did not make us to crave darkness. He did not crave us to desire to be in the darkness. I want to talk about what darkness is for a minute and what it's not. Darkness actually is not a thing itself. Let me, let me explain what I mean. Darkness is not a thing. You cannot produce darkness. You cannot make darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness, another way to understand is darkness is, exists whenever there is a void of light. There are a few ways that I want to unpack this for the next few minutes. Darkness is not, uh, not only is a physical thing that we encounter when there's no light in a place, but it also has spiritual implications. Stay with me here. Uh, in our scripture here, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus had just come down from a time of consecration. If you read John chapter 8, you see at the beginning of the chapter, it said that he had been in the Mount of Olives, on the Mount of Olives, in a time of consecration and prayer. And it tells us that this particular morning he came into the temple and he taught the people and uh, the people came unto him and the Pharisees saw an opportunity. Somebody say an opportunity. They saw an opportunity that they were going to try to, to twist or trip Jesus up. You all know the story here. Uh, and they, they bring to him a woman who they caught in the very act of adultery. Anybody know the story? They bring the woman to Jesus and say, Jesus, we caught this lady in the very act of adultery. The law says that she should be stoned to death. And we know you're a teacher of the law and you uphold the law. And so uh, what should we do with her? And of course, they're trying to trap Jesus. But instead, he flips the script on them. You see, I'm not going to go here, but sometimes your enemies and those who are against you will try to bring accusations against you. They'll try to say, why are you going over to that old church? Why are you trying to live for God? God don't love you. There ain't even no God. But see, God will take the accusations against you and use them to bless you. He'll use what the enemy means, meant for evil in your life and take it and use it as an opportunity for your blessing. I wish I had somebody that would help me this morning. But instead, Jesus flips the script on them, and he actually puts the accusers on trial. 
when he instructs them, he says this. I love what Jesus says to them. He says, yeah, you're right. And the scripture doesn't record all this, but I'm, I'm taking some creative liberty on what Jesus may have said to them. I can imagine Jesus saying, you know what? You guys are absolutely right. The law does say that she should be stoned and she should be put to death. So I got an idea. Whoever, whichever one of you is without sin and has never committed a sin in your life, by all means, you cast the first stone at her. Can you imagine how their faces had to drop when Jesus said this to them? And so now they are there, and one by one, the Bible says they begin to leave because now they've got the show is over. The show that they were coming for is not going to happen, and so they begin to leave, and then Jesus lets the woman realize. He says, look, where are your accusers, woman? And she realizes, wait a second, they're all gone. And he says to her, neither do I condemn thee. And he instructs her to go and sin no more. You all know the story. But immediately following this verse, immediate, immediately following this verse, we're told that Jesus picks up where he left off and he tells the people, I am the light of the world. This is not an unfamiliar concept to us as people of God. We hear that. We've heard this our whole saved life. Jesus is the light. I remember being a child, our choir, our dynamic choir used to sing a song, Jesus is the light, light of the world. Y'all remember that song? We used to sing that song and we tear it up too. We know the concept of Jesus as being the light. We know how he brings light. We talk about uh, how he is light. And how he brings light into our situation. But what does it really mean for Jesus to be the light of the world? This may seem like Sunday School 101 lesson, but stay with me here. What does it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world? One thing to understand is that anywhere there is no light, you can expect darkness. I told you darkness is not a thing in and of itself. Darkness is just the absence of light. And so if you remove a light source from a place, you can guarantee there's going to be darkness. In other words, the world apart from Jesus is pure and utter darkness. It's pure and utter, utter, utter darkness. It's amazing that we really even wonder why the world seems to be going the way it is. How many see that the world is literally losing its mind? If you just turn on the news for a minute, which I don't, but I know what's going on through social media and other areas. I see the things. I hear the things. I can see with my own eyes just being out in public. The world, as they say, is going to hell in a handbasket. But it's amazing how can we even truly have a question or wonder why it's happening when the world is doing everything it can to remove the light from the world. The further we move away from Jesus, guess what? The more darkness we're going to experience. Do you realize if you're standing next to a light source, you can see everything? But if you take a few steps back, you can see a little bit less. If you take another few steps back, you see a little bit less. Eventually, you're so far away from the light that you're now standing in darkness. And this is what I believe we're experiencing in our world. We say, oh man, the world's going crazy. No, the world's not going crazy. The world went crazy when it tried to get rid of the light source. When it started to say, we don't need Jesus. We don't need Christianity. We don't need their God. We can be our own God. Medicine can be our God. Science can be our God. We can be our own God. Don't that sound like the Garden of Eden? Doesn't that sound like what Satan said to Eve? You be like God. You can be like God. And so it is, and Satan's not running a different playbook. He, he's just moving us further and further away from the light. And our world is full of chaos and confusion and pure evil, yet we're trying to move as far away from Jesus as we possibly can. The world's trying to discredit Christianity and discredit the word of God to bring shame and ridicule upon his people. The world is trying to paint us as the people of God, as if we're the bad guys, if, if we're the oppressors. If you stand for holiness and righteousness, somehow you're, you're un, untolerable. You're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it right now. Uh, uh, you're not accepting of others because you believe what the Bible says. And they're trying to paint us as the bad guys. In other words, they're trying to remove the light. 
The Bible says men do their deeds in darkness, and it says that men love darkness more than they love to light. We're just seeing Scripture being fulfilled. It's not a surprise what's going on, but the solution is not for us to just curl up in a ball and say, well, let's just sit here and wait on Jesus. No, the answer is how can you bring the light back in your life? How can you be the light on your job? How can you be the light in your school? How can you be the light in your family? That's what God is calling us to do because the reality is, yes, we are in the darkness of night. But how many know that Jesus is the light of the world? And if he's the light of the world, and if he lives in me, and if he's the light of the world and he lives in you, then how are you shining your light? This ain't my message here, but I want you to think about it this week. How am I letting my light shine today? In fact, Lord, give me opportunity to shine my light in a new way. That should be our prayer. Let me get back to this. The gospel of Jesus Christ was sent to bring hope into a fallen world, yet we find ourselves confused and trying to find a remedy to what we see going on in the world, yet many times we're trying to do it without Jesus. Here's the thing, I see so many people talking about good vibes and good energy. Anybody heard this terminology, good vibes, good energy, and all that is okay, but oftentimes they're trying to do it apart from the real source of goodness. You cannot have good vibes and good energy that are sustaining anyways. You cannot have good vibes and good energy that actually can produce a result if it's not connected to Jesus Christ. I don't care how much moral relativism you have or how strong you think your moral compass is, there is no goodness apart from Jesus Christ. You see, there are many people who will try to proclaim, I've heard atheists who say that they don't believe in God. Obviously, that's what makes them an atheist. They don't believe in God, yet that if you ask that same person, should a murderer be put in prison, they'll say yes. Hmm. Uh, the same atheist that says they don't believe in God also will tell you that they think people should be kind. See, here's the problem with being an atheist and having those kind of convictions. The problem is you're basing your convictions. What are you basing them on? Why, why should, if you don't believe in a God, why should a murderer, a murderer be put in jail? If you don't believe in God, why should people be kind to one another? You see, there is no moral understanding of good and evil outside of God. He is, the Bible says, he is truth. In fact, Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the, and I am the life. Jesus literally is truth. He is truth. So there is no truth outside of him. So if there is no God, why don't we all just eat, drink, and be merry? Everyone do what's right in their own sight. But see, here's the thing. Even the testimony of the atheist speaks and testifies against them and suggests that there has to be a God. There has to be a God. And so what I'm saying, well, why am I even going there? Here's why. Because even our most righteous efforts, or even us in the world trying to do the right thing or living by morals and standards will only carry us so far. You see, there are people who try to preach and teach goodness and being kind and merciful, but it's devoid of talking about Jesus. And so guess what? That goodness that they're talking about, that they're espousing to, is only going to take them so far. It's only going to take them so far. There is no goodness apart from God, but at some point, there has to be an element of Jesus Christ introduced into the equation, or else guess what? The darkness will persist. You can talk about how good, uh, uh, how much you need the light and how much there needs to be light in the world. But if you don't actually pull or call on the light, guess what you're still going to be in? You're still going to be in darkness. You're still going to be in darkness. And so we understand this, that there are only two forces or entities at work in our world. There's the spirit of God and his ministering angels and the forces of righteousness and the forces of goodness. And then we understand that there is the force of evil. There's the forces of darkness. Satan, the prince of the power of the air, who, by the way, only has power because we gave it to him. Do you understand that the only reason the enemy has any power at all is because Adam ceded dominion of the earth over to Satan. 
Let me make it more plain for you personally. The only reason the enemy can wreak havoc in your life is because you have given him, uh-oh, the Bible says that the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Meaning, if he comes up on you and he don't find an opening or a way to get in, guess what? He has no authority to touch you. And so we've got to understand that the power that we have comes from the Lord. The goodness that's in our world comes from the Lord. He's given us the victory and delivered us from the bondage of Satan, and he has brought light. Somebody shout light. Light into the world. You see that baby that I talked about earlier, they're placed in the darkness when it's their bedtime, and they do not understand that the darkness is not going to last forever. They don't understand that it's during this period of darkness that they've been put in their crib, that they're going to get their rest, and that they're going to get their strength back. Uh, they're able to grow. When that child is laying in that bed, what they don't understand is that this period of darkness is actually working for for my good. How is it working for their good? Because in that period of darkness, they're able to rest. And guess what? They're able to grow and they're able to get their strength back so that they can do what, the, what they want to do on the next day. But that period of darkness is not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. And if they could only just understand that, yes, this darkness that I'm in right now does not feel good, but I'm going to be stronger in the morning. I wish I had somebody that knew that the seasons of darkness that you're in are not meant to destroy you, but they're meant to make you stronger. Is there anybody here that's ever been in a season of darkness and you feel like you just can't make it, but I come to encourage somebody that your season of darkness is not going to last forever? Uh, the point number one is a good point to talk about it. Every season of darkness has the promise of light. Uh-huh. Every season of darkness has the promise of light. If you're experiencing darkness, uh, whether it's for one reason or another, the truth of the matter is the darkness is there because the light's not there. I told you darkness is not a thing in and of itself. It is an absence of light. So if you're in a season of darkness, stay with me here for a minute. If you're in a season of darkness, it's because for some reason or another, the light is not there. Hmm. And I want to make it make sense for you before y'all start throwing stuff at me. The light not being there is not necessarily because of some sin. Let me say this again. I want this to make sense to you. I said, if you're in a season of darkness, it's because the light's not there. Now, some of you immediately probably bucked up and said, well, wait a second. The light's not there. You mean Jesus is not here in my situation? You mean I must have done something to run him off? No, stay with me. It's not necessarily because of some sin. Can we walk away from Jesus? Yes or no? Yes, we can. So there are times where there's no light in our situation because we've moved away from him. But this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. Sometimes this dark season is not because we've moved away, but sometimes God has moved a little bit further down the road and we're still stuck where we were. Oh, yeah, I'm going to help somebody this morning if I don't help anybody but myself. Sometimes the darkness is because Jesus has moved for one reason or another, and we're still where we were. Let me make this make sense for you. Sometimes God will put some distance between himself and between us for a purpose that only he understands. It might be dark right now. You might be in the midst of a dark situation, and that's simply because your proximity to the light has changed, either by your action or sometimes just simply by his will. Don't always feel like I'm in a dark season, so God, what did I do wrong? Because sometimes you didn't do anything wrong at all, but Jesus has moved just a little bit because he needs you to experience just a little bit of darkness so that he can do in you what he's trying to do. Is there anybody who understands that God is always in control, even in your darkest hour? Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. He's always in control. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The Bible tells us of a story of a man who was born blind from his birth. Anybody know the story of the man born blind from his birth? And the Pharisees, the chief priests, began to ask Jesus. They said, Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? 
Anybody know this story? They said, Jesus, this man was born blind from his birth. Surely somebody had to have sinned. Did his parents sin or did he sin? And Jesus said, neither one of them sinned. Now, obviously, we understand Jesus wasn't saying they were perfect. He wasn't saying they were sinless. But he was saying their sin is not the result of, or excuse me, his blindness is not the result of their sin. His blindness, in fact, he said neither he nor his parents sinned. But he said that, that his literal season of darkness was for a purpose that I had in mind. You see, sometimes God will allow darkness in our situation because there is a purpose that only he understands. It's a purpose that he understands. And this man's blindness was, blindness was not a direct result of any sin that he or his parents had committed, but simply the dark season in his life was simply because God was working on a revelation. Uh, let me pause right there. Sometimes the only place where God can show us or give us a revelation about who we are or who he is is he's got to let us sit in some darkness so he can reveal himself to us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We've got to understand that the darkness sometimes is the only place where we can truly learn to see God in a greater way. I feel like I've been in a period of darkness for a while now, and what I'm learning is that I'm starting to understand God in a better way. Would I be able to understand him like I do now if I hadn't gone through the darkness? I don't know, but all I know is that God has used a season of darkness. I wish somebody would understand this this morning. Sometimes your season of darkness is so that you can get a revelation. And I don't know about you, but if it takes a season or a period of darkness in my life for me to get a greater revelation about God or a greater revelation about who I am in God, then I guess what? I'll deal with the temporary darkness because I understand that he is the light of the world and this darkness is not going to last forever. Somebody ought to put your hands together and give God a praise right there. Yes, you see the, the, the revelation that Jesus had in mind for this man and for his family was to show them his glory. And he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born blind simply for the glory of God to be revealed in his life. Do you know how many people saw that miracle happen and whose lives were instantly transformed because they saw the glory? Uh-huh. Sometimes you've got to realize that the darkness that you're in is not to make sense to you, but it's because God is trying to reveal his glory in your life. He's trying to reveal his goodness in your situation. Situation. He's trying to show somebody else, I am a good God and I love you. And so you have to endure some darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. The question we have to ask ourselves when faced with the darkness of night is how do I bring the light back? How can I get back close to the light source? We have to be honest and ask ourselves the question as I've posed to you the last few weeks, God, what am I supposed to learn here in this darkness? God, what am I supposed to learn? What are you doing in me? What are you trying to show me and bring forth from this season of darkness. You see, in darkness, brothers and sisters, sometimes you don't have a choice to do anything but to just be still. You ever been in your home and the power goes out and it's you happen to be in a room where it's pitch black and all you can really do is just sit and be still and pray that the light comes back on? Because you know if you start moving and you start trying to do too much, you might break something or you might hurt something. So sometimes you've got to just be still. Uh, your judgment can be impaired because you're relying on senses that aren't so sharp. And so you have to just be still. And so when the dark season comes in your life, you've got to just be still. Why should you be still when you're in a dark season? So that you can hear the voice of the Lord just a little bit better. Sometimes the darkness comes so that God can speak to you about what he would have you to do. Sometimes the darkness is just so that we can be still and know that he is God. You see, sometimes we get so busy on our day-to-day -day routines that we forget that he is the one that's in control. He's the one that's orchestrating everything 
thing and nothing happens outside of his control. And so the dark season is a time where you can just be still. Somebody shout, be still. You see, we sometimes forget that God is working everything for are good. The phenomenon of darkness is something that I believe we have to take a close look at as scripture. You all know the story of when Jesus was crucified. The Bible says in Matthew 27 and 45 that uh, about the, the, the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. Now, if you know uh, your history or you know how they interpreted time relative to how we view it now, that was from about 12 noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen it be dark all over the land from 12 to 3. Yet the Bible says that at that time when Jesus gave up the ghost around noon, uh, there was darkness over the face of the land. And as I was looking at this, I said, God, why did that happen? And what came to me is this, because the light of the world had gone out. The light of the world had gone out, and so there was darkness at a time where it didn't seem like darkness was, was, was uh, suitable for that hour. And what I take from that is this. Sometimes everything will look like it's going just fine. Anybody ever been in a season where it seems like everything's just lining up? Everything is going so well according to plan, and then all of a sudden a dark season hits. And we're like, God, this ain't the season of darkness. This is the season where I'm stepping into my purpose. This is the season where you're blessing me like never before. Why the darkness now? But what I've taken away from this scripture is that the darkness comes at the most inopportune times. The darkness comes at a time when we think that we should have light, but sometimes God will allow the darkness to come when we least expect it. Why would he do that? Because he's working on something. We know from Scripture that during that time, uh, that period of darkness from 12 to 3 p.m. on the day that he was crucified, the Bible tells us that he was busy at work. What was he doing during that time, you ask? Jesus was gone down into the realm called hell, and he was taking back the captives that had been bound down there. The Bible says that he descended into the lower parts after he had been crucified and he wrestled away the keys from Satan because why? He was in the process of conquering death and now he was in the process of conquering hell and soon in just a matter of days he was going to conquer the grave. Sometimes the darkness in your life is just the setting that God needs to place you in in order for what he's working on to happen. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the darkness in your life is simply the setting. Somebody say setting the setting that God needs to place you in in order for what he's working on to happen. Uh, look at somebody and say, trust him in the darkness. Uh-huh, we've become too comfortable and too reliant on what we see. We navigate through this life by relying on our sight. And so sometimes God puts us in the darkness so our sight ain't no good no more. And when we get in the darkness, now we've only got one option. And that option is we have to walk by faith. The Bible says that the just shall walk and live by faith. In our text here, Jesus says, and I'm about to wrap this up, Jesus says that that he is the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light, the life, the light rather of life. The promise here is clear. When we follow Jesus, it says we shall not walk in darkness. Uh, notice here, it does not say we shall never experience darkness. Notice here, it does not say we shall never sit in darkness, uh, but it says we shall never walk in the darkness. And I said, Lord, why did you specify that we won't walk in darkness? Why didn't you just say we'll never see darkness because we've got you? And he said, because the word walk means you've become comfortable in a situation. And I looked up the word that was translated as walk, and it says to live, to follow, or to be occupied with. That's the meaning of the word that King James and his interpreters translated as walk. And in other words, you, when you follow Jesus Christ as the light of the world, you never have to get comfortable. I wish I had some help. You never have to get comfortable in the darkness because the darkness is only a temporary setting. 
God. The promise is that we're going to come out of the darkness. Even if you find yourself in the darkness of night right now in your life, take comfort in the fact that the darkness is just temporary. You won't have to walk in it, but you can just be still. Point number two, let me keep moving. You've got to find out how you can use the darkness to your advantage. What do I mean here? I mean that instead of wasting your time cursing the darkness, instead of being upset that you're in a season of darkness, find out how you can sharpen your other senses while you're there. Uh, let me say that again. Find out how I can sharpen my other senses while I'm in this place of darkness. You see, when you're physically in a place of darkness, your eyes can no longer help you. Uh, so you've got to rely on some other gifts that God has given you, such as your hearing. You've got to rely on your sense of smell and on your sense of touch to know where you are and what you should be doing. Find out, God, how can I use this season of darkness for my good? I'm not going to sit back and sulk at the fact that I don't have my eyes to rely on anymore, but instead I'm going to sharpen my hearing. I'm not going to sit back and sulk at the fact that I cannot see my way out of this situation, but I'm going to try to feel God a little more. I'm going to get comfortable working on the things that I need to work on in a spiritual sense. Lord, what should I be working on in this season? Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. That's all right. Uh, but what do I need to work on in this season of darkness that you have me in? Uh, it's a good time for us to get close to the Lord and to say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're doing something. And the fact that you're doing something is good enough for me. Lord, in this place of darkness, uh, what do I need to get rid of in my life? Lord, what are the things that I continue to run back to that you're trying? to wake me up from and to get me free from and you've got to realize people of God and believe that the dark season that you're in is not part of your destruction but rather it's part of your destiny I wish I had somebody that believed that this morning the fact that you're in the darkness of night is not indicative of the fact that you're about to be destroyed but it's indicative of the fact that you're about to step into your destiny. Too many times people allow the dark times of their life to take them out and to cause them to lose your mind. You might have been there before. Anybody ever been in a place of darkness so long and so thick that you begin to think you're about to lose your very mind? Is there anybody here that can testify to the fact that I've been there and I thought I was about to go crazy, but just in the nick of time, God showed up in my situation and he showed out too many times we allow the situation of darkness to knock us out of our right mind and we find ourselves there and we revert back to some old habits you ever get comfortable in a place of darkness and you begin to revert back to some stuff that you got the victory over before because it's a place of comfort for you and we go back into some bad habits because we're in the darkness of night but how many of you know that this dark place is not where your story ends? The enemy would love nothing more than to convince you that you're in the darkness because God is finished with you. Anybody ever have thoughts like that? Like, maybe God has me in this dark place because he's through with me. Maybe I've utilized all my usefulness to him and now he's throwing me away and now I'm in the hands of Satan. Uh, the enemy will play with your mind in that way. But you've got to understand that the darkness of night is not the end of your story, but it's just the beginning. Ah, yes, because in the darkness is of night, this is where God can get your attention. And he can speak to you and make in you. And he can mold in you the things that need to happen for you to be who he's called you to be. So don't allow yourself to give up in the dark times. But instead, stand on the promise of his word that you shall not walk in darkness. You might be sitting in darkness right now. You might be experiencing darkness right now. But the promise is that you shall not. Somebody say shall not. 
You shall not walk in darkness because like Paul said, this light affliction is only but for a moment and worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Somebody shout an eternal weight. Uh, there are some eternal things happening in the darkness. Uh, I'm going to say that again in the darkness that you're in. Uh, there are some eternal things that are happening uh, in the darkness that you're in. Uh, there's some blessings that God uh, is birthing into the earth uh, that can only come through you. Uh, and not only can it only come through you, uh, but it can only be birthed in you uh, in the setting of darkness. Uh, I wish I had some help this morning. The darkness is not for your downfall, but it's to take you to the promised land. And I don't know about you, but if it takes a temporary darkness for eternal glory to be released in my life, then I guess I'll just stay here and I'll do like Job said, and I'll wait for my change to come. And I can have the testimony uh, like King David. Uh, it might be darkness all around me. Uh, sometimes I feel like God has abandoned me. Uh, is there anybody here that can testify uh, to the fact that sometimes you feel all by yourself? Uh, it feels like God is nowhere to be found. Uh, but nevertheless, the Lord is uh, my light and my salvation. Uh, whom shall I fear? Uh, the Lord is is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid it might seem like it's scary right now but God's got you even in the midst of the darkness your prayer should be Lord show me your glory reveal in me everything that you've got to reveal even in this dark season because where you're at right now or where you're at rather it might not be a place that you can see your way out of have you ever been in a place and you don't know how you're going to get house but you just trust in the Lord with all your hearts and if you lean not to your own understanding I promise the right way the right path shall be revealed yes you might be in the darkness of night but your healing is in Jesus yes you might be in the darkness of night but your deliverance is in Jesus yes you might be in the darkness of night but your salvation is in Jesus yes you might be in the darkness of nice but your turnaround is in Jesus you've got to just trust him and it'll all make sense after a while don't get comfortable in the dark place don't make the darkness of night your permanent dwelling place don't stop believing in the light just because it's a little bit dark don't stop believing in the Lord because his steps your steps are already ordered by the Lord because after the darkness comes the light and just know as long as there's light you've got to do your work once the light comes back that's the time to do the work because the Bible says we've got to work while it is yet day because it's hard to work in the dark season in the dark season just be still but when the light comes that's when you've got to start to move that's when you've got to start to build that's when you've got to start to grow because the light of the world will give you the power somebody shout power We've got to work while it's yet day because there's coming a time when Jesus will withdraw his light from the world. There's coming a time where there'll just be darkness in the earth. And I don't know about you, but I don't plan to be here then. But I plan to be caught up in the rapture and be with Jesus where there's no more darkness, when there's no more pain. I want to be with Jesus where there's no more suffering. I want to be with Jesus where there's no more tears. I want to be with Jesus 
Jesus when there's no more death. I want to be with Jesus where there's no more grieving, where there's no more fear, where there's no more doubts, where there's no more poverty, where there's no more sickness. But this dark season is only temporary. And I'm so glad that I know the light right now. I don't have to wait until heaven. But I know the light of the world. And his name is Jesus. Somebody shout his name. He is the light of the world. He's the lily of the valley. He's the reason I wake up every morning. He's the reason why I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And he's the reason why I'll fear no evil. For he is with me. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. 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 Why am I saying hallelujah? Because I know who the light is. Sometimes you can be in darkness so long you forget what the light even looks like. Woo. They say that people who are trapped in darkness for a long time, when they come out, the light actually hurts. The light actually hurts. They've been in darkness so long that the light actually hurts. And I don't know who I'm talking to you to this morning, and I'm through. But whoever you are, if you've been in a dark place in your life, I want you to understand that dark place, number one, is only temporary. Somebody say temporary. It's only temporary. Your temporary might be a year. Your temporary might be 10 years. You might be stuck in a dark season for the past decade, two decades. But in the grand scheme of things, it's still only temporary. You don't have to stay there. I'm through, and I believe there's two reasons why we stay in a place of darkness. Number one, we want to stay there. Uh-oh. Sometimes we want to stay there. We may say, you can say whatever you want, but our actions suggest that we like being there. The other reason why we'll stay in a place of darkness longer than we need to is because God has not seen in us the change that he's trying to bring about. I told you, sometimes the dark season is because there's something that he has to work out of us. There's a level of trust that we have not ascended to, that he's trying to take us to. And the only way we can get there is by staying, is by him letting us stay in a dark season. There's only those two reasons. And so, here's my call to you this morning. If you are tired of your dark season, take courage in the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. He will bring the light back. But the second thing you have to understand is, Lord, what is it here that I'm not getting? What is it here that you're trying to reveal in me? The blind man didn't do anything wrong to be blind. But God was working a revelation, and he had to wait. He had to wait for that revelation to come forth. And when it did, it came forth with power. How could this man who's been born, who was born blind all of a sudden see? Who did this to him? The glory that was revealed in his life came from his season of darkness. And each and every one of us, whenever you find yourself in the darkness of night, understand that there's glory. Somebody say glory. There's glory that's coming after this. If you desire prayer, come now. The ministers are coming. I believe God is trying to get us to move in a new direction. I think sometimes the darkness becomes so overwhelming that we just get comfortable there. Sometimes you can sit and stare in darkness so long that it seems like the darkness starts staring back at you. Anybody ever been there other than me? You've been in a dark place so long that you're staring, you can stare into the mouth of darkness so long that it looks like it's staring back at you. And you can become afraid and you can allow it to cause you to lose faith or to lose confidence because of the darkness. But the promise is this. 
He that followeth me, Jesus said, shall not walk in darkness. You might experience it. You might sit in it, but you will not have to walk in it. That's the promise. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.